Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. This upcoming Sunday, the Mass readings take us on our Lenten journey all the way up to Mount Sinai. We go to that dramatic event in Exodus chapter 20 when God himself gave the law, gave the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. But when we hear this reading, we hear about those Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. Sometimes we may just wonder, is religion just a bunch of rules? Is it just about a bunch of rules we have to follow? That's what many people in the modern world think when they look at Christianity, they, especially Catholicism. They think of it as a lot of rule following. Don't do this, do this, say these prayers, believe these things, avoid these things over here. It's just a bunch of rules. Is a relationship with God really that legalistic? Is it that complicated? Does God really care about all the little details and every little choice I make in my life? You know, I just want to be a nice person. I should just love people and be kind. Isn't that enough? Why do we need to have these rules? Is religion just about the rules? What is the Ten Commandments all about? We're going to see at the heart of this, this dramatic story of God giving the Ten Commandments. It's not about God coming and saying, do this, don't do this, to prove yourself worthy, to prove yourself to be a, a good person, a good son or daughter of God. That's not what this is about. This is a gift. This is a gift from our Heavenly Father. That's what God is giving the people of Israel, and that's what God gives us today, not just through the Ten Commandments, but through all of sacred scripture and all the wonderful, beautiful teachings of our Catholic Church. Do you see all of these things, these beautiful teachings of God's law, as a gift for our lives, for our happiness? Or do we see them as just hoops we have to jump through to prove ourselves to be worthy as Christian disciples? How do we see the law? That's what we're going to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree. And here we are in the middle of Lent. And you know, I know a lot of parishes during the Lenten season, they'll, they'll, they'll offer that traditional, beautiful, classical devotion called Stations of the Cross. I don't know if you've had a chance to go to your parish for stations. If you haven't, make it a priority. Go at least once this Lent to do stations with your, your parish community. It's a beautiful tradition. It's the earliest of all of the Catholic devotions, Stations of the Cross, going back to the ancient Christians in Jerusalem who would retrace Jesus's footsteps in the city of Jerusalem to remember what he did and what he suffered for us on, on Good Friday from Gethsemane all the way to Calvary. And then eventually over the centuries, Christians around the world took that little tradition from Jerusalem and then brought it back to their homes, to their own their own parishes, their own towns, and Stations of the Cross are, are replicated around Europe and then now in, in every church around the world today. It's a beautiful tradition. You don't have to go to your, your parish version. I think it's a good thing if you can at least once in Lent. But even if you can't make that, make Stations a great priority because it's a beautiful tradition that helps us live the cross, not just admire what Jesus did for us and thank him for it, which we should admire and thank him and praise him, of course. But more than that, Jesus wants to relive his perfect love on the cross in each of our hearts. But that can only happen if we're reflecting and meditating on the great mysteries of Christ's passion. And, and the whole passion narrative is so big. There's so much to it. And I love this devotion because what it does is it breaks it down into small parts. We just remember Jesus being condemned 
We remember Jesus carrying the heavy cross. We remember him falling. We remember him meeting his mother. We remember him on the way in, to, to, the, to Calvary and having Simon of Cyrene help him carry the cross. All these little bite-sized pieces, small little reflections to help us enter into this beautiful, beautiful love of Jesus revealed most fully on, on his passion on Good Friday. If you're looking for a resource that could help you, if you want like a fresh perspective on the Stations of the Cross, you could check out my book that I wrote called Pocket Guide to Stations of the Cross. You can get it at ascensionpress.com. And uh, it's a, a beautiful leather bound book. It comes with a little ribbon. You can kind of keep the pages on it. it. It gives a little background on the Stations of the Cross, the history of the Stations of the Cross, why this is held up by the church as one of the most important devotions but it's one that's sadly falling out of style. A lot of younger generations aren't as familiar with stations. We want to really rekindle this for our own hearts and for the next generation. So you can learn about stations, but the heart of the book is really 14 reflections on the stations of the cross. And they're drawn from scripture and I pull in writings from the saints to make it really personal that we can put ourselves in the scene and imagine how do we respond when we're falsely accused like Jesus was. How do we respond when we have heavy burdens to carry and we, and we just fall? How do we respond when we fall in sin? How do we respond when we're suffering? Are we aware of others that are suffering around us like Jesus was thinking about the women of Jerusalem or forgiving the good thief and, and promising him paradise? Jesus wasn't someone that closed in on himself when he was enduring his great trials and sufferings. He was always thinking of others. And, and I, I need to remember that because in my life, when I get overwhelmed and stressed out or I'm sad, I can just close in on me and worry about me. That's not what Jesus did. I need to reflect on the stations all throughout my life so I can live and love more like Jesus does. So if you're looking for a guide that can help you really live the stations, uh, check out my book, Pocket Guide to Stations of the Cross. You can get it at ascensionpress.com. Now, today... In our Lenten journey, we, we're, we're looking at the, the reading we're going to have, the first reading this upcoming Sunday, which comes from Exodus chapter 20, and it's all about the Ten Commandments. And as I, I mentioned, I think sometimes people just think of those as just a bunch of rules, you know, and, and okay, I get we shouldn't kill people and, you know, we shouldn't steal, but, but it just feels just legalistic. And I want us to remember why, why did God give the Ten Commandments? And I think a key here is to see that this, the story of the Ten Commandments comes in the context of a larger story. It's the story of the Exodus. And the Exodus is all about freedom, about God coming to bring freedom to the people. And in the context of this Exodus journey, the climax of it is God giving the law. And I want us to see it's not just like, okay, I freed you from slavery. I'm going to give you the promised land and you better follow these rules or I'm going to take it all away from you. That's not what this is about. It, it, it actually is, is at the very heart of the Exodus. Yes, the Ten Commandments are at the very heart of the Exodus. What do I mean by that? Let me, let me give you the background here. When, when God calls Israel out of Egypt, he's not just liberating them from physical slavery, from all of their hardships under Pharaoh. He is doing that, of course. But if we had more time, I would walk through this more in depth, but you know, many of the church fathers note this, some of the, the ancient rabbis comment on this, and a number of modern biblical scholars have pointed out that when Israel was in Egypt, they weren't just slaves under Pharaoh, slaves under the Egyptians. They were slaves to sin. They were slaves to idolatry. And, and this, by the way, isn't just like an early church insight or a modern theologian's insight. This actually is, is explicit in Scripture. If you read passages 
like Joshua chapter 24 or Ezekiel chapter 20. It's very clear. The Bible makes very clear that when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were worshiping the Egyptian gods. And so the heart of the Exodus isn't just liberation from physical labor. It's much deeper than that. It's not just liberation from their physical slavery. It's a spiritual exodus, freeing them from their slavery to sin. And we know that in many of the ancient Near Eastern cultures, like in Egypt, a lot of the idol worship, a lot of the pagan deities that were the worship of those deities were often associated with various pagan practices, immorality, drunkenness, sexual licentiousness. So a lot of sexual sin. And so people are really addicted not just to the, the worship and the, the pagan liturgies, but probably the sinful lifestyle around that. You get a glimpse of that, by the way, when Israel falls and starts worshiping a golden calf. Right after they get the Ten Commandments, then Exodus 32, they're going to worship a golden calf. Where does that come from? Well, the golden calf would have been one of the, the animals that was associated with one of the deities of Egypt. You can think of the one of the Egyptian gods, Apis, for example, associated with a cow. And so they're, they're resorting back to that. But in Exodus chapter 32... Verses six through nine, it goes on and talks about how the, the people, when they're worshiping the golden calf, it says they rose up to play and they're not, they're not playing Uno or playing a game of chess or trivial pursuit or apples to apples. No, in fact, that language rose up to play is used in the Bible to describe sexual sin. So when they're worshiping the golden calf, you sometimes wonder, man, these, these losers, you know, the God just performed all these plagues, liberated them from Egypt crossed the Red Sea, gave them 10 commandments, and now all of a sudden they build some golden calf with their own hands and think it's a god? What what idiots? Why did they do that? Well, uh, you need to understand it wasn't just the attraction to this little molten calf that they made. It was the attraction to the sinful lifestyle around it. Have you ever heard of Christians, people who maybe fell away from their faith and they got into various sins, maybe sexual sin, maybe addiction to drugs or addiction to alcohol? or addiction to pornography, and, and, and they, but they have a conversion, and they really want to follow God, but then they find themselves falling back into their old habits. That happens in the 21st century with Christians. We can understand what was going on in the Israelites. It's, it was wrong. It's wrong when the Israelites worshiped a golden calf, and it's wrong when we go backwards as Christians and fall back into sin, but, but we can learn from our own culture and see, you know, see what was really happening here. The people were entrenched in great sin. So even though there were great miracles, great signs and wonders, manna coming down from heaven, uh, it's amazing. Nevertheless, they have weak hearts and they fell back. The heart of the Exodus is to free Israel spiritually, not just free them from slavery under Pharaoh but to free them from slavery from under the devil. The devil's reign has, has, has a hold on people's hearts. And God wants to free us from that. That's what he was doing in the Exodus story. So he had to get them out of Egypt. He got them out of slavery, wanted to help them be released from that. But he's also getting them away from the Egyptian influence. And he brings them out to Mount Sinai. And in Exodus 19, he tells them to consecrate themselves for three days, to prepare themselves to hear his word. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments aren't just, hey, here's a bunch of rules. Hey, here's the rule book you have to follow now. That's not what it was about. It isn't like, here's the company policy manual. <laughs> you know, that's not what this was. No, this was a gift. It was to help make it really clear for them to see, this is your pathway 
to happiness. Because God made us for happiness. He made us for love. He made us for relationship with him. But the education, the formation, the culture that they grew up with in Egypt didn't teach all these things. (laughs) It led them away. It led them into deeper slavery, slavery to sin. And God gives them this law as a gift to, to point them to what they're really made for, which is to live not for self, not for glory of this world and comfort and pleasure, no, but to live for God and to live for others. In fact, I, I love what Pope Benedict once said using the image of the Exodus. He says that God wants to bring an Exodus in our own hearts, an Exodus out of self and more into him, an Exodus out of self and into love. That's what God wants to do throughout the eras. That's what he wants to do for all of us Christians today. And we see it in seed form right here in the book of Exodus. In this first reading, we're going to have this upcoming Sunday. That, that the law then is, is a gift. It's meant to be like a roadmap to help the Israelite people to see this is the pathway for your fulfillment, for your happiness. So you live not for self like you were living in Egypt, but you're living for God and you're living more for others. This is the pathway to love. And so, and now this isn't the fullest revelation of, of God's law. This is just, it is foundational. And in fact, the 10 commandments, I think you could use reason and come up with these 10 commandments just by reason alone. Yeah, we shouldn't kill. We shouldn't steal. I mean, there's great thinkers like Plato and Aristotle that in their ethics, they would come up with many of these points in the, in the 10 commandments. So, but, but what God's doing is revealing it to make it really explicit, really clear for them because they're fallen, even though they're, they're, you could use reason their minds have been clouded because of original sin and even more clouded because of their upbringing in Egypt and that culture that was weighing them down with the pagan sins and pagan idolatry. But I think about our lives today, we need to remember the law and not just these 10 commandments, but all of God's law, all that we see throughout sacred scripture, all that Jesus taught, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, and then the beautiful teachings we have from, from the Holy Catholic Church that remind us of what is true, what really matters most in life, because the law is a gift. That's what Psalm 119, verse 105 tells us. The psalmist says, your word, O Lord, your law is a lamp to my feet. It's a light for my path. I think about when I, I take my kids out you know, we do these boys trips every every summer. I was for well over fifteen years or so taking my boys. We go camping, or maybe we get a lodge somewhere. But we go up into the mountains and in, in, in the Rockies, and we love to make a campfire. And then sometimes we well, we'll just go for a walk. But at night, sometimes we might go for a little walk, even just a little bit away from our campsite, and it gets dark really fast when you're up in the mountains because there's no street lights, there's no city lights. It is really really dark. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of walking in the dark. It's so dark, you can't quite see what's in front of you. You're worried you might trip on something and, and you wish you had a little light for your path. You know, I wish I had my flashlight. Maybe you pull out your phone and you just, you know, you, you, you turn on the flashlight on your phone because you, you're worried you're going to trip and fall or bump into something or you're scared. Or you don't know what you're going to see ahead. Well, I think our world is like this. So many people in our world today are living in darkness. They're living without a moral compass. They're just living, just saying, oh, we don't need a bunch of rules. I'm just going to do whatever I want. You know, I, I, this is, I, I, for me, this is right. This is what I like to do. I don't think I'm not hurting anybody. I don't think people mind. I don't think God minds. 
And, and there's so many people just living in utter darkness. They're just coming up with their own moral laws, their own, not even really moral laws, just justifying what they're doing. But when we live that way, it's like we're living like the Israelites in Egypt. We're living just for self. When I just say, I'm going to do what I want, or, well, for me, this is okay. And uh, I don't think God minds. Like I'm, I'm deciding for myself what's right or wrong. I'm playing God. I'm rejecting the gift that he's given me. How amazing that God gave those 10 commandments at Mount Sinai. How amazing that he gave us the Sermon on the Mount and the scriptures and the teachings of the church to guide us. It's an incredible gift. He loves us so much. He wants us to be happy. He made us for love, and that's where we'll find our fulfillment. And he loves us so much, he didn't just throw us here on earth and hope we'd figure it out on our own. He loves us so much that he pierced through the darkness and he shines his light. He gave us the Ten Commandments, the foundation of the law, but that's just the beginning. He gives us the Beatitudes. He gives us the Sermon on the Mount. He gives us his example of washing the feet. He gives us the new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. And then he gives us the wisdom of the church for 2,000 years that takes those foundational teachings and applies it to our daily lives, whether it's in our, our responsibility to care for the poor or teachings on sexual sin, teachings about what marriage really is, teachings about protecting human life, uh, teachings about how to build a good and just society. There's just so much that the church offers. This is all light shining in the darkness, and yet our modern world rejects this light and just says, I want to be my own light. I want to decide for myself what's right or wrong. I want to be my God over my own life and give myself my own commandments that justify my preferences, my interests, what I like, what I enjoy, what's interesting to me. What I'm doing there is I'm making God in my image. And this is exactly what the devil did from the very beginning. The devil was created, Lucifer is the most brilliant of all the angels. Yet he said, no, no, this brilliance is my own. He didn't see it as a gift from God. And he chose his own way. He said, I will not serve. I want to do it my way. And as a result, he's the king of darkness. And his darkness is spreading over and over around this world. It's spreading, covering the eyes and the hearts of especially young people today that grew up in this culture. We may not be going and worshiping golden calves, but so many of our young people are worshiping things that are not God, that are not really leading them to their true happiness. We ourselves can get sucked into this. Let's, let's remember that Exodus story. Remember the law, the gift of the teachings of the church, not just those 10 commandments. Remember, that's like the 10 commandments is the seed form given right there in the Exodus story to help Israel be liberated, not just from Egypt, but from sin. So they can see clearly the pathway to their happiness. They have a light for their path. They have a lamp for their feet. Let's see what God did there is what he's doing in all the teachings of the church. And in this world of increasing darkness, let us never shy away from sharing the light, the light of truth, the light of our faith to help people walk the path of happiness so that we can experience that beautiful exodus, that exodus out of ourselves, exodus out of my self-centeredness, my limited way of looking at things, exodus out of my own pleasure, my own pride, my own desire to control my own life. No, let me come out of myself, Lord. Bring me out of myself and evermore into your arms that I may love you and serve you. But I know that can only happen if I revere 
and, and thank you for the gift of the law and fill my mind with that law regularly. So in closing, practical points here. Practical points, two things. First, anytime you think about the law, always frame it in the context of love and this exodus. When you're thinking about it for yourself, don't think of it, oh, I gotta do this because the church requires me. Oh, it's Lent, I gotta give up something. Or, oh, I really would wanna do this, but oh, I know it's not the right thing to do. Like, like don't look at it legalistically. Look at it as, oh, thank you, Lord, you're reminding me of what I'm made for. You're reminding me that, that, that this is the pathway to my happiness. Thank you, Lord. When you're talking about it to your kids or to your friends, don't just say, well, here's five reasons why this is wrong. Give those five reasons, that's helpful, but make sure you're connecting the dots to love. So many people grow up today hearing about the laws of the church, but they don't understand how it relates to love. And whatever the teaching is, you wanna always show this is for your happiness. This isn't just, oh, it's because of natural law, or this is because what Catechism 532 says, or this is what Code of Canon Law says. No, no, maybe quote those things, but make sure you're making the connection. This is all about love, your experience of God's love, your sharing love with others, your, your happiness, your fulfillment. Frame everything in your own mind and for others when we're talking about the moral law. Frame everything around love and happiness. Second practical point, takeaway here, is take time to fill your mind with the law. Take your mind to fill, not just the Ten Commandments. Read the Beatitudes regularly. Read the Sermon on the Mount regularly. And don't just read it. Read it and pause and compare your life to what Jesus is saying. Read the Gospels regularly. Think, think, read Christ's life. He's, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, not his teachings. His teachings are too, yeah. But, but ultimately, it's, it's who he is. He's the fulfillment of the law. And you're comparing your life to him. He's the one that's re- the revelation of God about how we're meant to live, about the greatness we're made for. And so when you see Jesus being so patient with someone, you compare that to yourself and go, ooh, I tend to get frustrated with others when, when, when they hurt me. When you see Jesus courageously speaking the truth, you realize, oh, I don't always speak the truth. I'm afraid of what people are gonna think of me. You're comparing yourself to Jesus himself, who is the law. So those are two practical things. Frame, and when you're thinking about the law, talking about it with others, always frame it in the context of love and happiness. Secondly, fill your mind with the law. Fill your mind with scripture. Fill your mind with the saints and especially the life of Christ so that you can be inspired to have that law written on your heart and experience the spiritual exodus God wants for you. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. God bless.